and eventually i said this is my only voice this is the only way i can write this is the only way i can speak it may suit some people it may not suit some people and i celebrate the people it doesn't suit because i'm a big fan of people choosing what works for them but even more rejecting what doesn't work for them because you're exercising choice and i love that fashion is not about glamour but it's about the freedom of expression that one has i think i experienced it for the first time like i otherwise didn't look at fashion that much the way i did but fashion is a safe space for all misfit ये एक सेंटेंस था जो नोनीता कार्ला ने अपने इस कॉन्वर्सेशन में कहा है आज के सुराना शो पे और जब उन्होंने ये बात कही तो मैंने कहा हाँ यार बात तो सही है बिकॉज पीपल हु डू नॉट फिट एनी वेयर हु डू नॉट हैव एनी वेयर टू गो द सम हाउ फाइंड देर वॉइस इन द स्पेस ऑफ फैशन आई कंसिडर माई सेल्फ अ मिस फिट इन सो मेनी वेज एंड टू बी वेरी ऑनेस्ट आई हैड नो एफिनिटी टूवर्ड्स फैशन फॉर द लॉन्गेस्ट टाइम पर जब से अपनी स्टाइल ढूंढते ढूंढते मैंने अपने आप को खोजा है तो इट्स लाइक एन एक्सप्रेशन इट्स काइंड ऑफ अ वे टू आइडेंटिफाई कि मैं क्या करना चाहती हूँ मैं क्या कहना चाहती हूँ एंड इन ऑल द एसोमेट्रिकल आउटफिट्स दैट आई दैट आई चूज आई फील सम हाउ आई हैव फाउंड दैट कनेक्ट पर इस कॉन्वर्जेशन इज नॉट ओनली अबाउट फैशन इज अबाउट लीडरशिप इट्स अबाउट आइडेंटिफाइंग कि आप अपने आप को जब एक्सप्रेस करते हो तो एग्जैक्टली वॉट आर यू ट्राइंग टू से अबाउट योर Nurita Karla who is an editor in chief for Tata Click currently has been an influential figure when it comes to journalism and fashion together it's a it's a different kind of conversation unfortunately i couldn't meet her in person to ye zoom pe hua hua conversation hai but nevertheless every single piece of it is thought provoking i hope you like it let's get started we were talking about how you broke everything down in small bits and you said first spell check going to make sure that it is delivered well and then i'm going to take over and build the strategy would you suggest that to anybody who is walking into anything new no i don't suggest my way to anyone i suggest finding your own way i just give my example as what worked for me and i'm going to tell you very honestly it was not spell check i never use spell check i sat with a dictionary and i checked everything <laughs> i said <laughs> um because you know i don't trust spell check okay. but i tell you what i find really remarkable aditi and one of the reasons i was excited about this conversation is when women share their experiences with each other of how they made things work for them we tend to listen harder and better and more intuitively right. which is one of the reasons i do these things or i want to listen to women because we take something away and it was this that led me to start something called my wonderful life which ran for 10 years in l where we celebrated the stories of young women and their successes but we didn't do it like um which college did you go to and what did you do we looked at unusual professions a dog psychologist someone you know in 2005 who made a living out of being just a sushi chef or someone who made sculptures out of books we created a tribe of interesting voices and women and what freedom meant to them Mm. financial freedom and you you'd be surprised it was buying a car taking a mother on a holiday saving up for a great handbag that's what luxury is right when you have a goal and you set these things so it was also a reason to get women to share their stories to create pathways for other women before that people were doing business lessons and mm. women create businesses intuitively right we we don't follow and this is what people don't understand news is created for men by men business lessons are created for men by men i think what we didn't realize when we started it l is we were creating a safe space for women for women by women 
And I actually love that we were steeped in estrogen. It was for us, mm. our safe space, which then grew bigger to become a safe space for anyone who felt like the other and didn't feel typical. And when people run down fashion and fashion magazines, I say that you forget we were the one safe space for anyone who felt alienated from regular society. It was a space for the weird and wonderful lot of us. So I understand that in the last five, six years and, you know, before uh, recording this conversation, I was doing my research on your work and overall fashion industry per se. My father was a communist and my idea of fashion and the way I looked at society growing up was based on a certain level of equality that that communism spoke about and when I look at luxury magazines with all honesty for the longest time I wondered that why would we really prioritize and I wanted to ask you this question genuinely that today we celebrate broken women uh, abnormal women uh, different sizes of women but for the longest time fashion industry didn't do that and they created this capitalist idea of how a woman should look like and and you don't come across like that and I wanted to ask you how did you survive this this whole <laughs> so you're so wrong because you haven't seen copies of Elle in 2000 okay. we were doing all of this before social media so no one saw it either you bought the magazine and you saw it or you didn't see it and we all laugh we say I wish there was social media then because we were doing path-breaking stories without realizing they were path-breaking. It was instinctive and inclusive. And Aditi, I'm going to tell you something. In my library, the first couple of, the first books that I had were Das Kapital. I've grown up a communist and then became a socialist. All right. And you, as someone who knows the difference, you'll understand why it's important for me to say it. Yeah. And we grew up in a time when India was free liberalization. We were right. all socialists. Right. Okay. So when I first joined L, my I was at the Indian Express. So I, I remember telling Shekhar Gupta, I'm not doing this. I'm not a fashion mm -hmm. girl. And he said, nobody makes you an editor at 30 of, a of an international magazine. He said, you will do this job. He said, go and make me proud. And you have to understand, it was about a way of living. The French don't make fashion into a dictatorship. L is weekly in France. It's for every woman. It shuts down on Thursday when the magazine comes out. L was about my time to myself. Should we not prioritize women? Mm -hmm. Do we not deserve our own space? Yes, we do, because we never have that Absolutely. space. So that's all we did with L. We said, it's my time to myself. None of us, you're talking about 2000. There were no fashion people. The first fashion week just started. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the pages of the magazine, the beginning was something we called the first look. It was the first look at a trend. Your cheapest thing could be 50 rupees and your most expensive was 15,000. We said, if you want to enter a trend, you choose how you want to at the price you want to. Hmm. Don't feel alienated by fashion. If, say, the trend is animal print and you want an animal print keychain because you like it, but you don't want to wear the shirt, we empowered you to be free to make your choice. When I tell you about this series called My Wonderful Life, we had every month, we had four women who for us were about fashion because they it's fashionable to be intelligent. That was our mantra. I said it so many times till I got bored of this thing <laughs> that I used to say. It's fashionable to be intelligent. We covered the literary festivals before you could. We had interviews with all the literary, with all the writers. Amitabh Ghosh has written for us. You name it. I mean, oh, we wrote nice. for a smart woman. We wrote for a smart woman. 
but the magazine was clear about one thing it's only for women no one else is welcome mm. and i thought it was important because at that time we didn't have that space where are you talking about beauty in the way that beauty is democratic you're never too fat for mascara we never said you need to be in fact i remember dropping shoots if the model didn't look healthy i said this is not what i'm sending we've written about anorexia we've written about the power of saying no you know there just wasn't social media people didn't see what we did but it was a magazine for all of us and it was run by women like us and so i never went any further i asked my team is this a good idea for you do you like the story yes we're doing it i said you are my litmus test i don't need to go further you catch a train from bandra you come from borivli you live in delhi you live in bangalore you are my smart young women feisty unafraid to say no unafraid to tell me where to get off <laughs> it's you know a lot of the team stayed for 10 years wow okay uh-huh yeah that's, that's amazing so so you say this okay uh, i want to ask this question also because a uh, pandemic forced me or inspired me to become a content creator as a coach i have one voice and I, as a as a content creator i have another voice and not only in podcast but i'm talking about instagram and other platforms and my team always tells me that this is too complicated this sounds too intelligent for people to relate to make it simpler make it simpler and i would make it simple and one of the things that i was reading where you made a comment about be intelligent is something that i took pride in and i always wore it on my shoulder i took you know i spoke about it everywhere i went and people told you that that you sound too intelligent this this piece is too intelligent how did you deal with connecting to your audience without losing that identity you know i'm i'm going to say when i made that comment i got a lot of flack a lot of people attacked me and said what makes you think you're so intelligent and i i i have to say and it was a lot of other women hmm. and i thought what a strange thing that women do to each other hmm. that we try and shut each other's voice down when all we should be doing is allowing each other to speak louder and louder yeah. right and so i won't address intelligent i will address the voice we want to use in communication and i tell everybody write like you would speak that's your most authentic self so one of the lessons we would do and you would find this at the l office people in corners loudly reading their story before submitting it to me because i'd be like you don't use that word in normal sentences why are you using it here or you don't construct a sentence this way you speak mm-hmm. differently and all i would say is write like you speak we all worry so much about reaching out to people but are we doing them a disservice by saying maybe they don't want what we're saying in exactly the way we say it and it's something i've really grappled with i'll be mm. honest with you and eventually i said this is my only voice this is the only way i can write this is the only way i can speak it may suit some people it may not suit some people and i celebrate the people it doesn't suit because i'm a big fan of people choosing what works for them but even more rejecting what doesn't work for them because you're exercising choice and i love that hmm. thank you for saying this i'm at this point uh i just finished some uh training from iim bangalore and you know a lot of management gyan came my way last 3 months and now that i'm like okay now i got to implement it and one of the things is about making a choice about what kind of content do i want to create and this whole idea of like i really love conversations like these and they may sound intelligent and unreachable in some way but those who understand will is what i believe 
and those who won't probably are not the people I, I, I can talk to. But that acceptance was slightly tough for me. You know, even those who don't want to listen to what you have to say are wonderful. Because yep. it's, Agreed. like I said, it, it, it's, it's great that they're disagreeing with you. Yeah. And what is wonderful by disagreeing with you is they're agreeing to disagree. So it's a choice. It's something they disagree with. I have a problem with people being hateful to each other. Of course. You know what? If I don't like someone's handle or I don't like their content, I don't follow them. But I won't follow them to hate on them because I have too much. There are too many people I'm in awe of who I want to follow and enjoy. And again, it was a rule we had both at Ellen Bazaar. Don't waste your time saying what not to do. You know, mm. there are many books you may not want to read because they don't work for you. I said, don't say, don't read this. Just tell me what to read. Tell me where to go. Don't say, don't go here. I'm tired of the negative. I, like I said, isn't it wonderful if we can lift each other up and say, this is great. This works for me. And if someone says, no, this doesn't work for me. Say, great. What works for you? I want to learn from you. It's like the parrots that you counted. It just gets better and better. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that you spoke a lot about is your connection with your grandmother and how she influenced you so much. What are those characteristics that you, you think now at this point in your life that you have truly imbibed or where have you uh, walked away from her and discovered yourself? You know, my grandmother used to take pride in my honesty because she said, I'm honest like you. But she says, unfortunately, a lot of people see it as rudeness. So she would always tell me, tone it down a little because eventually you want to be understood, right? Because when I was younger, I said, why should I? I'm honest. People should take me as I am. But I learned from her that honesty doesn't need to hurt. And I'm very proud that I learned that because mm -hmm. I have had a very harsh tongue and I'm very ashamed off my harsh tongue you know I think I I hurt people and that's not what I want to do so I I'm very proud of that lesson that I got from my grandmother she was just you know she was born in 1919 she did a master's in English from Lahore wow. University in Lahore University she used to take the tonga from where she lived a horse tonga and go to college mm -hmm. on her own I don't have that feistiness her ballsiness yeah I mean think about that time right yeah. now it's easier for us I'm not saying it's still easy but at that point of course the choices she made incredible but the one thing she has that I'm really proud of is I'm always on time I'm early if anything else and she used to say it takes me nine and a half minutes to get ready and she was a general's wife and I'm very proud that I, I emulate that only because I think being respectful of people's time is really important to me. I have to be early. I'd rather wait for people than make people wait for me. I have some rules about how I show my respect, right? Mm -hmm. And this is just one of them. Can I ever be as fabulous as her? Of course not. <laughs> but I am so lucky that I have her as a memory of what to strive to. Wow. Right? Yeah. And that's all you want. So that's kind of like a role model that you you believe you can become. An everyday reminder to be better. How nice. Every single choice that you make as a leader, I'm not even saying as a woman in business, as a leader, comes with its own challenges. And you have twisted and turned certain very, very comfortable norms that people had laid out 
for you, for the business, for the industry. When you do that, what is the thinking process that you build? Because we talk to many high performers and the, the objective of this show is to go behind the scenes and, and know what exactly goes in that uncomfortable decision-making. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a leader and I won't say I'm a high performer. I think that people who work with large teams, the whole team is a high performer. Otherwise, you, you don't get there. You know, my and maybe one of the things that gave me comfort to take risks was I, I've always worked with teams that have synced in and we've taken risks together. And I always think I can't imagine anything in my life without the extraordinary people I've worked with. I just never see myself as a solo player. You know, mm-hmm. I see myself as somebody who works and I live for working with young people. I live for the challenge and how they make you, I guess, they don't care about you unless you earn their respect, right? And I think when you have all of that together, you're willing to take risks. Aditi, also the fact we had no templates. And maybe people need to remember that. I think one of the things that bogs people down is they start thinking, here's what someone else is. I, I get horrified when people say, I want to be the next Amazon. I'm like, why? <laughs> is right. that it? Right? I want to be or... I want an IPO and I want to raise money and I want be, I'm like, is that your end goal or this beautiful thing that you can create, right? So while you can have a really broad vision of the stories you want to tell, narrow it down to what is this beautiful thing that I create? What, do, what does it stand for? What does it say about the team and me? Mm-hmm. So I guess we took risks because we were just invested in this brand and we personalize the brand. I think maybe again, people leave things as inanimate, right? We animate it, we make it a person, we make it this thing we love and want to take home and it lives with you 24 seven and where it ends and starts, you don't know, you are in it, right? And with it comes tremendous heartbreak because you're so invested. My heart was in my work all the time. I did it at the exclusion of everything else, living, sleeping, breathing, whether it was air or bazaar. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm not going to lie. I just lived it. But my God, I, and I'm the idiot who woke, hated weekends. Monday morning, I was like, yay, Monday, my team, <laughs> come on, what are we going to do? I want to revamp this. And they're like, oh, not again. But how lucky. Now, when I look at my life, I'm like, I wouldn't change a thing. I would do it. I'd work even harder. So now at this point in time, with Tata Click, with newer journeys and and more social media and more templates available, what does success look like to you? I want to continue telling stories. I want to do it collaboratively, but I want to do it beyond the teams I work with. I want to use this whole digital universe to make deeper connections, but across boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we're doing at Tata Click Luxury. Again, my luck, extraordinary team. You know, we, and the first time we did something, we were all virtual. We'd never met each other. We did 27 films, virtually, edited virtually, fought, argued, made it work. And we're all so close now that it's, it's ridiculous. And this is the power of working with people transparently. 
I actually like to wear my flaws to work. I like to tell people where I will fail. I like to tell funny stories. Um, I, you know, while I was getting ready for our call, I thought I was putting dry shampoo in my hair to get some volume. I put hairspray, half my hair is stuck. Why would I not tell you? You know, because I met <laughs> another colleague of mine. We started Beauty Awards together. Sasha Mendes, she runs a really lovely space in Goa. And she's like, do you remember the time you wore black eyeliner instead of lip liner? I'm like, yes, Sasha, I never forget it. She's like, you walked into fashion week like that, telling all of us. I was like, why not? <laughs> um, I just feel that we have to make connections with our vulnerabilities like we're doing on this call. Absolutely. And I think... I find women thrive in this space, right? Like we, we genuinely come alive and these small little stories, we talk about our imperfections. And most of the time, the, the whole garb comes off. And I, I think I'm excited to, to know more. So Narita, over to you. What questions do you have for me? You know, on this one, when we talk about how we women celebrate our imperfections, I sometimes wonder whether we don't use that to deflect attention from our capabilities as well. I was just thinking, you know, we, we do this. And if you compliment a woman and say, that's a great dress, her first reaction will be, it's old. Yeah. She'll never say, yeah. Or you'll say, hey, I really like those glasses. Oh, you know, they're broken. I wonder why we do that. Because I, I was paying someone else a compliment and I said, your hair is looking great. And she's like, you don't know how horrible it is. And it's so frizzy. And I blow dried it within inches of my life. I said, why would you not say, Thank you. I am having a great hair day. So <laughs> what's with that? Can you explain that to me? Because we are all culprits. It's also generational compensation, right? Like every time a woman looked uh, nice or felt stronger, there was always some sort of criticism that came along with it. or she, Almost she had to pay a price. And if you know that you're brought up in a culture like that, and for some reason, this weird, like I haven't met women like that, like probably two or three women in my life, but this whole notion that other women compliment you only because they want to, you know, like make you, uh, give you, take control over how they think or how you validate their ideas about you. It's a very weird combination of manipulation that people have built in their mind. So when women compliment one another, they just take a moment to accept it is what I have seen. And until they really, really trust you. After that, they relax and then they know you don't have any other motive behind. But this, I also feel the way the stories are fed in our minds about whom to trust, whether to trust, how much to trust. It comes a lot from that. And that is so deeply woven into who we are that the first response is to negate any compliment that comes away. And I completely agree with you. The Do you think in part it comes from imposter syndrome and women our best friend our constant shadow this imposter syndrome what is that and why we uh, run india's only mental gym it's called apt and the idea here is every month i take one topic and talk about you know people explore what that topic means to them the month that i spoke about imposter syndrome I described it and I, I realized that all of us feel as if we are these fraudulent beings who are trying to project ourselves as someone else that we are not. We try to show that we are stronger than we are and all of that. So I read a lot about it and I spoke about that aspect. But I also feel with all honesty that imposter syndrome is, is kind of honest. It has a percentage of truth that we are dismissing. 
sometimes we do not have the skill set that only we are aware of we are extremely strong we are extremely confident in 80% of the area but there is that 20% that only we know that we are not aware of so while we are celebrating the 80% some some part of us is scared about that 20% coming off and that's why the imposter syndrome constantly nudges us what if this is exposed what if this is exposed people understand that as what if the whole thing is exposed is never about the whole thing is about that 20% like i spoke with people they're great with marketings and now the cmos were supposed to be ceos and they were like scared and they had the imposter syndrome when we broke it down we realized oh the imposter syndrome about the financial function that they were not very comfortable and confident about and the operations that they had never looked into they knew marketing like nobody's business but other aspects to become a ceo which were required and they did not have the wherewithal now there the imposter syndrome takes over so we have this thing about imposter syndrome comes from self doubt yes a part of it yes it does come from it and you constantly question yourself but a little portion of it and i would say 20% very very strongly rooted portion of your imposter is telling you the truth that no one else would tell but the by the time it tells you the truth it is so anxious and so crazy that you sound it sounds as if it is a self doubt but not always is what my observation you know is. I really appreciate you saying that because I've always believed it lies in some truth, um, and maybe we need that self awareness, and we need to figure: Do I address it? Do I hire someone who can help me with it? What do I do? And you know, that's what my CEO at Tata Click Luxury sort of told me. He said, "Tell me what you're not good at, and the company will help you with it. Don't try and be good at everything. No one can be." Absolutely. And I, that was a really valuable lesson. And that brings me to another question. You know, we all like to say. that we're perfectionists and therefore we procrastinate but are we procrastinators just genuinely and are using perfectionism as an excuse <laughs> because i don't know where one ends and the other starts okay so i need to answer this question looking at your handwriting sample because it's a very personal and specific question for our listeners and viewers you can also look at your own handwriting to know what i'm saying is applicable to you or not so when it comes to laziness we find that in the lower case letter a or o if they're horizontally stretched like a bean bag so nanita if you look at your letters for example in the first line you have written two and that o is horizontally stretched or if you go further and you find other letters of a and o most of them are horizontally stretched which means you love to be physically comfortable if something is pushing you or also intellectually for that matter if something is unnecessarily pushing you and you're not convinced you wouldn't do not want to take any action now are you a hard working person yes when you're convinced and yes on the areas that you know you're interested in but otherwise you would like to be more comfortable so with that if you are supposed to do things that you're not necessarily interested in you will push them away with bit of a laziness but the second question are you a perfectionist now if i go all the way down there is a word uh, where you have letter m written uh, makes you wonder in that the letter m the second hump of the letter m is taller than the first one anybody with that trait in their writing will uh, always come across as a perfectionist 
and thereby you do have perfectionism as your trait and thereby for example being on time or before time or doing certain things with certain level of cleanliness hygiene the basic standards are taken care of or whenever you reach out to people there is a mannerism that you follow whether people care about it or not all of that is self monitored whether people are looking at you from that lens or not you don't, don't even care about it you need to make sure that you have ticked all the points that you genuinely care about you know you've really made me laugh because you've hit the nail on the head if i'm not convinced about something i'll never do it yep i will never do it and my husband laughs at me he says you are stubborn to a point where if you're not convinced or something doesn't catch your fancy like i don't like scientific facts it's a really weird thing <laughs> to say because they disturb my imagination and i really believe in imagination oh. and magic and i love daydreaming and wandering for a very practical person love to daydream and wander so i can't find my way from my house to the closest tube station because it hasn't registered in my head okay. and yet if you take me to spaces that i've been to and there's something visually beautiful i'll walk in and go i can draw the whole thing out for you but if something is not interesting and our street has a lot of buildings and there's nothing there's no element of fashion or beauty or flaws it's dead to me and he's like it's just left why can't you remember it's left i said i don't want to it disturbs my thinking it comes <laughs> in my way and he's like how, how is it even possible i'm like i don't want to know left <laughs> I don't want to know geography. I don't want to know where things are in a map because order that has been ordained by someone else irritates me. And he's like, "You can't move countries at will." I'm like, "I can. Watch me. In my head, I move them." <laughs> so, where? So, are you saying? It's really lovely. Are you saying that that you work very hard to keep the chaos and that that whole space of imagination on? which is why my physical environment will be impeccably tidy i can't bear clutter because it doesn't let me think wow that's amazing but yeah because um, i've seen many what? artists who kind of create physical chaos to to kind of spur their imagination and here you are while exactly I'm, opposite no, while i'm working clutter starts to build so it it used to be a ritual at my office i at the end of the day i would tidy everything it would build over the day okay the pages of something a book i'm reading something but as i left i cleared it so that when i walked in in the morning it was a clean slate and i could start to build the clutter and then tidy it up and it's a daily process for me right now if i show you my desk you'll be laughing my favorite lipstick a pen a voucher something a mug weird things that i need around me and then it'll all disappear and then it'll rebuild wow. it's it's how we create right yeah and um, i think is is that your style of creation is something that matters the most for us to know what what brings you alive and what does not you're saying so i have a last question for you and it's really a weird one you know um you talk about being a leader and you talk about having done things in your life i actually want to know what is the value of legacy i have never approached work with the sense that i'm leaving a legacy i've always been in the moment and very present and done things and never thought that there is legacy and yet i'm a student of history who's always seen the importance of knowing what's happened in the past and this is for you maybe to answer through your experience and your sense of who all you speak to 
Is there value to legacy or should we just focus on the present and the future? Whether we go back and study history or not, understand who did which part of revolution or not, today we are the result or the product of all the people who have done these things in the past. We cannot deny that. And my father used to say this, and it's interesting that I'm mentioning him the second time in this conversation, but he said every single person should, every single woman should thank Savitri Bai Phule for taking that first step and making sure that girls study and those first eight girls that she taught, you wouldn't have been where you are at. Now, if you look at that, was she important? She was significantly important for us today to have the voices that we do. But do we remember her? And there are countless people like that that we don't remember. But disregarding legacy does not help us to be humble and grateful when it comes to doing things the way we do. But sometimes people get obsessed with history and they do not let the future come their way and they constantly stick to what happened and who said what. I feel that is kind of, that kind of obsession just does not allow you to move forward. So should you create legacy? I feel it would be only arrogant on our part to think that we are building legacy. You know, that, that childlike curiosity that you bring in, that if I find something fascinating, I want to spend time. Like I find people are like poems and every single person I meet, it is like this interaction and this unraveling that happens. I feel that is my privilege that I can experience this human being in the way I do. If I ever think about legacy, then I would, uh, there would have a monitoring being who would perfect this experience. And then I would lose the originality of what is happening between you and I right now. So I feel like, can legacy be built? Yes. But if we start working towards legacy, then we will lose the innocence and that genuine connection with our creative instincts, which I think I see many people falling for. Like I have worked with artists who did great work. And after that, they just like stopped doing great work because they wanted to recreate great work. And there is no way for them to recreate great work until they do not touch uh, get in touch with that innocence again and innocence means dropping everything that they had known till now so it just becomes so you've answered my question i agree with you onwards and upwards <laughs> yes you know it is. and what you do in the past it definitely paves the way for other people in the future but it's in the past yes i i have you a know few if somebody too. needs to have a conversation and say, how did you do it? That's when you open your mouth and say, this is what worked for me. Now yeah. you figure what works for you. And I'm there if you need me. That's all. I, I want to talk about a few things that because I have your handwriting sample, I'm so tempted to tell you a few things. One is when I look at your lowercase letter E, they have complete open loops. That means every single conversation that you have, you put your heart into your ears and you're completely available to the person. And no matter who that person is, no matter what they're talking about, if you're curious, you would be completely glued, understanding the micro expressions, their body language, and all other things. And that builds the data points for you to make any decision. So though you do not like scientific facts, you're very, very analytical based on the data that you collect reading human beings. You don't require numbers always because of the data that you have already collected. Uh, at this point in time, especially last five, six months, you are contemplating about what would you like to create next? And no matter 
how many options you have tried, nothing has clicked for you the way you would like it to. And you are exploring it, you are kind of, you know, weighing your options, but definitely something that is playing on your mind. You're spot on for the simple reason that I think it's important for people to keep figuring out what to do next, right? For a long time, 13 years, I stayed at L, and it was a wonderful opportunity. It flew by because my boss then, I said, you know, what am I doing? Why am I here so long? And he said, you can grow your job to wherever you want to take it. And it gave me the sense that I can self-propel, right? Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful to be in a company that allowed you to do that because it makes you agile perpetually. Bazaar was such a privilege, right? It's, it's such a grown-up magazine with this legacy. It was such a privilege. Working with Tata Click has been a huge pivot. Um, but I think our timelines now for what we do are shorter and shorter. You would mm -hmm. never think of doing anything for 13 years anymore of because course. the world is changing the way it is. And I think that while you are in a space, you must keep thinking what next. Because I used to tell my CEO, whatever plan I'm giving you is actually two years too late. We should have done it two years ago. So I, I spend my life in the anticipation of what works, what won't work. And I've been wrong so often, so gloriously wrong that I love exploring things, rejecting them. And I love being proven wrong. When the Kindle came out, I said, I'm never going to use a Kindle. And then I realized, you know what? Um, Aditi, I'm a chain reader, okay? Yeah. I, I could buy books through the night on the Kindle. I remember when I got it, I didn't <laughs> sleep for four days. Really? I was reading Alexandra McCall Smith. I was buying one after the other after the other. And I was like, this is heaven. I'm an insomniac. The ability to get books through the night means I'm never alone. I'm surrounded by books. But I rejected the Kindle initially. Yeah. And how wonderful. How wonderful to be proven wrong. I do want the Kindle to get an update. It's a terrible, clunky piece of equipment. Um, I, I didn't love social media. Now I'm addicted to it, not because I want to see what people are doing with their lives, but I love how you can reach out to people. You know, how Twitter can be a space for rebellion. Mm. And I, a lot of people have written off Twitter, but I love it. It encourages rebellion. Instagram, we would have died without it in the lockdown. We made so many connections. True. So yeah, I'm always exploring what next. How will I be proven wrong by the limitations of my own brain? <laughs> I have two, three questions about like this whole glamorous aspect of luxury world. Like what goes behind the magazine? There is no glamour. There is only hard work. Let me explain to you. There is no Please. glamour. <laughs> At a shoot, everyone is in their track bottoms and jeans and you're taping shoes and you're dressing people and you're asking people what they'll eat and you're sweeping floors and we've gone for shoots where I've been ironing clothes and someone else is taping something. There is, listen, you know as well as I do, for anything to look good, there are 20 people working really hard behind the scenes. There's never glamour. But what is absolute privilege is that you're surrounded by beauty. And I used to tell the team, I can't believe the world's most beautiful clothes come. We get to see how they've been crafted. You can get to speak to the designer who made it. They can tell you why they made it. You're mm -hmm. part of a process of the storytelling of beautiful things. So every day is a privilege. And maybe that's why it looks glamorous, because how lucky are we? 
to it's be able to be part. It's a privilege to be part of this storytelling and to touch and feel beautiful things. And people come in and then a team of you gets together and you're doing hair and makeup and everything is a point of view. Why am I doing goth nails? Why am I doing the eye softer? This is what I want to tell. Why is the hair this way? I'm taking inspiration from Greek braids. Why am I doing this particular dress? Why am I, there's politics to everything, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the fact that we wear sneakers and anti-fit dresses. It's the politics of feminism. Women don't want to be tied down by body con and heels. Equally, when we want to wear our sexuality as a weapon or as a mark of confidence, we can do it. True. Fashion is your visual cinema. It is how you tell your own very wow. personal story. It is not to be diminished because as women, then we diminish ourselves. Wow. You Fashion said- has been at the, it's been at the forefront of politics of rebellion. You know, my favorite story, when women under the Taliban would meet to paint their nails red because it gave them power. They were seen, they saw themselves. That is fashion. Let's not trivialize it. It's so powerful when you're saying it, I'm getting goosebumps because two things happened in 2022. One was I shot uh, with a very senior photographer, David D'Souza, in his home in Goa, uh, an underwater photo shoot on mental fitness. So I have I've never done something that crazy in a photo shoot, but I wore these very heavy chains in my neck and went underwater. And we were, he constructed a dress for me and we had a headgear and all of that, you know, was like, like, like an idea. But the very moment we were shooting some, all the other things, all the physical struggles just disappeared and it just became very, very surreal. And that whole experience of being part of his imagination just to be shot in that manner was fascinating. And, and I, and I agree with you, like it just went beyond me and beyond him in many, many ways. And I, uh, this line art that you're talking about, I have some some pieces that I did during the pandemic. And when I had to go for a TEDx talk, I was wondering what should I wear? And I thought about everything possible. And I said, no, I want to wear my own art. So I took this art and, and got it on a jacket and stitched it myself. And when I wore it, what you're talking about, fashion is not about glamour, but it's about the freedom of expression that one has. I think I experienced it for the first time. Like I otherwise didn't look at fashion that much the way I did. But, but fashion is also glamour. Why is glamour a bad word? Who decided? Sure. Right? Fashion is many, many things. Look at the passionate way. And you thought about what you want to wear. Mm, yeah, right? absolutely. The choices we make with clothing, that is fashion. Mm. How glamorous we want to look. And glamour for me and glamour for you are two different things. It's so individual. Why do we want... I feel we want to diminish fashion because we want to make it appear that if you care about how you look and present yourself and therefore it translates into how wonderful you feel. Why are we diminishing that one thing? Is somebody else taking the power away from us? Why do we do this? Mm. Why do we make it frivolous? That's true. We don't make art frivolous. Why is fashion frivolous? We wear it. How is it frivolous? It's us. It's just, it's that one thing that is unique to each one of us. How is it frivolous? And every single thing that you choose, that then you're making a choice. So whether it is... That and, you know, let me tell you, the current uniform of young people wearing hoodies, it's their way to stand apart from an older generation, another person. The fact that everybody wears a hoodie, you find your tribe, you find your army, you find your people. That's why there are trends. It comes from people. We're not being told. Designers are seeing what people are doing and translating it. We are our own 
mini tribes and connecting and overlapping and having conversations without saying a single word through the language of clothing. So from elite to to democratizing fashion, what is happening today? Like I was at Meta Creators Day and I saw all these creators who, you know, most of them own what they they are and who, you know, how they are. And they had a specific style that defined them from hair color to the kind of costume or, or you know, like kind of makeup that they did. It's very, very distinct. So today's creator is is yesterday's celebrity. And I remember reading uh, one of your pieces where you said one part about my job I do not like is having celebrities on the cover photos. And you said, okay, that's a commercial thing, but I would really like to do it differently. What does that differently looks like for you? Uh, I loved working with models because I'm old fashioned. In a fashion magazine, the cover, the clothes should be the hero. And models let us do that, Mm. right? I love the idea of having personalities and covers as well. But I think that for a brief while, we were chasing a celebrity without understanding why. Mm. And that was the disconnect. So in that period, it was showing in my work Mm. that I couldn't understand why. Okay. And the minute you're dishonest with what's working for you, it shows. Mm. And I think at that point, even actors and celebrities were doing covers that they didn't want to do, but they were being told to do. You've got to have a reason why you don't need to be on three covers in a month and think it's publicity for a film. There's a reason you can say, I'd rather be with this magazine because I believe in it. And I think give and take needs to be there. And the models we worked with, they were invested. I think now when you see celebrities, they're very invested in the work they're doing. There was a period and there will be periods, you know, please, there are periods of highs and lows and periods of plateaus. And a plateau is the worst period because it's the most boring period. Highs and lows are wonderful. Yeah, exciting. You're Um, constantly learning and chasing something that you do not know. So that's always exciting. So it's okay. You know, all careers have all of this. I have celebrated and enjoyed all of them. So for someone who is starting in their understanding of fashion, you know, somebody who could be a blogger, and I, and I, I see that you do not dismiss uh, the bloggers, you do not dismiss the, the influencers in your work, you're very inclusive of them. Sometimes people believe that they don't have the, the study, the experience, the understanding that your generation or your kind of uh, experts have, but you are very inclusive of them. What is your idea and where do you see they taking fashion here on look we could only do so much within the pages of a magazine anyone who writes on fashion or blogs on fashion or wears it to show you how to wear it loves fashion that's my tribe right they're my foot soldiers initially they were the foot soldiers they went out to disseminate the voice of fashion but today they're the generals because not only have they disseminated it they're influencing it they're making they're showing people what to do and i really really love that they have made it democratic and it's something within the closed confines of a magazine we were unable to so my god this tribe of rebels and foot soldiers and different voices and smart young people smashing all the rules. How can you not celebrate today's fashion voices? And I, 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 you know, whether they want to call themselves creators or bloggers or influencers, I just call them the future of fashion. That's wow. all it is. That's amazing. That's amazing. Last question. How much do you think Devil Wears Prada has 
tainted your industry and the the perception people have about what happens in a fashion magazine <laughs> if if anyone is still watching the movie they should watch it for the amazing clothes people wore for Meryl Streep's performance which is always brilliant yes um but it's not the real world it's mm-hmm. not i remember joking when it came out it was so long ago i'm surprised people still reference it i said i can imagine me coming and throwing my jacket at my team they would throw it straight back at me and say go make us coffee um really really you know it, the industry's misunderstood because maybe we work really hard at presenting our defenses better because we are supposed to wear the clothes we are supposed to have the hair we are supposed to do the accessories so we step out with our armor but it's not armor it's us stepping out and work in what we love yes. so i think people have to understand and the fact that the industry is now just multiplied it, it's all of us it's you you are part of it rashi with her beautiful hair she's part of it There's no devil wears Prada. It's all of us yeah. sitting in our homes or stepping out in the streets. It's the tribe of people that love clothing and love clothing to say something. And that's what himself. I call the movie. That's what I call the movie. It's all of us everywhere, every place. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much, Nonita, for being on the show and being so... strong clear and articulate about your ideas and also accepting and educating us on how we can look at fashion and ourselves through fashion thank you thank you for your time and for your reading it was really lovely um and thank you rashi and nikhil for being part of this as well um do we stay on what's going on do not waste your time thinking about what not to do or how you can't do it ye choti si baat hai par nonita ki baat mere actually got me thinking because sahi hai na hum kai baar itna time waste karte ki ye nahi karna chahiye aisa nahi karna chahiye ye karne se ye hoga par jo karna hai us pe focus kare to life thodi si aasan ho jayegi choti baat hai par implement karna chaho to shayad thodi mushkil lagegi shuruaat mein but once you train yourself in that high performance mindset things will become much easier i can guarantee that because bahut sare logo ke sath kaam karte karte maine mehsoos kiya hai just choose to focus on what you want to create and not other things okay i hope each conversation of the aditi sarana show is adding value for you to build the mindset required to build your future growth Thank you so much for joining me again. Please listen to all other episodes because हर episode के conversation में हर एक high performer के साथ we open up, we explore new facets of this mindset. तो आपको कई सारी चीज़ें अपने आप के बारे में आपके आजू बाजू के लोगों के बारे में पता चलेगी Don't miss it. And this 15 episode series is getting extended by one more surprise element, one more surprise episode. So if you are a regular listener or a viewer, you are in for a treat because i'm going to bring in one of my favorite uh, female filmmakers at the end of the series so stay tuned and i'll see you next week bye bye